Welcome to Other One's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. There you can watch the trailers, read our reviews, the news, interact, and we'll try to post funny things here and there as well. Oh, like Ed Asner saying Rob Zombie should direct Sound of Music. <laughs> well, how sad is that that Ed Asner oh, succumbed to dementia? Did you read it, though? Or did you just read the headline? <laughs> I just read the Somebody asked him on Twitter. He had to look up who Rob Zombie was, and he just goes, <laughs> I think you should direct Sound of Music. That was kind of the extent of it. It wasn't anything more than that. So it's definitely out of context, the headline. <laughs> uh, Patreon. I hate critics on that slash Patreon. the best way to help support the podcast. We also have a PayPal link there as well as our podcast merch tab. And then Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa, Stitcher, all your podcatchers. Subscribe to the show. Rate and review the show. Tell your friends about the show. Help us grow the show. That'd be really helpful. Uh, anything you can do there uh, really does help out. Uh, this week's a little different because nothing came out. Abom- Abominable was the only movie we didn't see it because we're a week early. Still blowing the magic, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever happened to kayfabe? <laughs> Everybody's like, "What's kayfabe?" <laughs> uh, so what we did this week is there was like a bunch of fathom events at our local theater. I went to one, and then uh, Sean saw this movie, Villains, which may be in some th- theaters this week. And then we decided to do a Rob Zombie bonus episode where we talk about the Firefly trilogy. So we will get to that in a little bit. Uh, But let's go ahead and start with Villains. Uh, It's possibly the only new movie this week. Villains, yes. This is uh, uh, Bill Skarsgård, who, of course, is uh, Pennywise, and uh, Micah Monroe, who is uh, in It Follows. So you've got the star of It and the star of It Follows together as a couple. They're uh, a couple of criminals who have... just uh, robbed a convenience store. They're trying to get enough money to actually go to Florida to literally sell seashells by the seashore. That's their plan. <laughs> it's kind of funny. They've, they've got a, a wonderful romantic chemistry, these two. And they're, uh, they're actually their most romantic moments are demonstrated via this visual uh, gag that the director uses that's really uh, unique. And that's a number of things about this movie. This is, kind of, this is a movie with a great deal of of personality to it but whether one of the the ironic thing that happens is they rob this convenience store and they actually forget to get gas while they're there so they run out of gas along the way while they're making their getaway and they end up at this house in the forest and they break in because they're going to want to steal the car and they can't find the keys they're trashing the place trying to find the keys they're looking everywhere so they decide okay we're going to steal the gas we'll just steal the gas out of the tank so they go to the basement to get a container to put the gas in and they find a young like eight or nine year old girl chained to the wall and uh obviously oops we've wandered into the exact wrong house at the exact wrong moment uh they try and uh do the right thing and 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 rescue this girl but in the process she actually bites the Bill Skarsgård's hand and gives up their escape that way because she doesn't necessarily want to be saved, I guess. I don't know. It's it's weird. She's a weird character, and it's a fun twist on the, that they have on that character dynamic throughout. Uh, the home belongs to uh, characters played by Kira Sedgwick and uh, Jeffrey Donovan, and I cannot tell you anything about them because anything I tell you about these characters would be a spoiler. And I don't want to spoiler anything about this movie. It's so good. <laughs> this movie is exciting. It's weird. It's strange. It's violent. Uh, it's got some t- a lot of twists and turns to it that, it, that I just really adore. This is a, a really unusual movie. It's got its own unique energy to it, and that's part, you know, that's again, that appeals to me as a critic when I see movies that have their own unique energy and aren't just doing what every other movie does. I really, really like this one a lot. Yeah. What's, what was frustrating this week is as I go to buy tickets to movies on the two apps I have, this popped up on all of them. And before I hit my local theater, and all of them said next week anyway, or so, but it was, I, it was still ex- made me. I really want to see it, and it's cool to see Bill Skarsgård get to be someone other than Pennywise, which is kind of the trap that you were, you know ask Robert Englund. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so it looks phenomenal, and I hope it gets a nice little theatric run or at least a good on-demand presence. 
uh, it looks really, really good, and I can't wait to see it. I'm really yeah. excited yeah, about it this It deserves one. it. This is a really fun movie, a uh, really exciting movie. Speaking of just random weird news, do you see that the other, one of the other Scars guards playing the bad guy in the stand? <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know anything <laughs> about if it's a movie or a TV thing or whatever they're doing. Peter? But the one from uh, True Blood. Uh, oh, Alexander. Ale- yeah, Alex Scars. There's so many Scars guards these days, and they're not all related either. <laughs> Is the old one related to anybody? I don't know, honestly. The one from Good Which Little Hunting? related to, to which? Yeah, I, yeah, they're but they're all pretty good at what they do. Yeah, uh, Alex is very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. Amazing body. Yeah, <laughs> Tarzan. Ugh. I didn't see it, but man, True Blood. He's naked a lot. <laughs> and then I went and. Like we're vegan, yeah, so I'll start that at the beginning, and it, it's just kind of funny timing. Because two weeks ago we talked about you know food, you know struggles with food that we both have, and it was I went vegan for that reason alone. It's because I have a hard time turning down fast food. I don't like it. It's just so easy, and you eat a lot of it, or I do. And this movie has been since I've become vegan has been talked about. Uh, James Cameron produced it. He's the main guy behind it. Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it. He produced it. And it's supposed to be this game-changing movie about uh, plant-based eaters versus meat eaters. And Is it a game-changer? No. But what they're trying to do is get you to you know, go meatless for a day a week or whatever. And it's more for the environment purposes because the number one cause of global warming is the meat industry the all the i don't know you had to see the movie but it's cow farts yes that's part of it uh (laughs) the monsanto stuff the just a lot of things but yeah that's a big one (laughs) but it's just really it was they do a good job they take these high performing athletes and they show all of them doing something a little different most of them at an older age in their 30s and like one of the like some guy broke a strongest man in the world record not the whole competition but just for one uh uh event one lady won a gold medal in the olympics in her 30s or at least they play i think they placed or something i can't remember exactly what it was but they followed all these people that live largely on plant-based diets the tennessee titans have like nine guys on their team that do it tom brady is plant-based uh, and he's in his 40s, still performing at a high level. So they, they basically take you through all the myths of well, what are you going to have for protein? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, well, you're going to have a B12 deficiency. Well, guess what? Everybody has a B12 deficiency because Monsanto's dumping shit on your plants and they're killing it all. The animals are eating it. They don't have B12. You don't have it. So unless you're really eating a, unless you're a hunter and you're getting your own meat and stuff, you probably have a deficiency as well and just don't realize it. So it, it more than trying to convince you that you need to go there or you're wrong. It's more of a, you know, try it once a week. You know, it'll it, it'll be it'll help you. And I think in that way, if somebody were to see it, they'd be like, "Oh, this is pretty neat. I want to try it." And I I think that's all you can really ask for a movie like that. Without, I don't feel like it really demonizes the other way. It's not like saying you're wrong for eating meat. Well, not Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it. He eighty percent is vegan, but then he he does have his days where he eats meat. So it's, I, I think it's worth seeing, especially if if you have food problems like I do. It, it it's interesting if nothing else. My I took my kids and they bitched and moaned the entire way to the theater, <laughs> and they loved it. Really, especially my son. He he was just glued to his seat and, uh. He's he got even more hardcore about it when he got back home, which was pretty cool. Uh, so I don't know. I, I it took forever to come out. Like literally, it had been done for almost a year, and they finally released it via Fathom Events uh, last Monday, and now it should be on video on demand in October. So it's an interesting time for for this type of movie because. Uh, uh Morgan Spurlock's uh, Super Size Me 2 just came out, which is uh, 
kind of anti-meat in its way, but talking about uh, chicken and the uh, chicken industrial complex and the way that uh, the companies like uh, like Monsanto are destroying the food industry completely, you know, just to to suck up all the money. Uh, the the triumvirate of companies that own all of the chicken, just destroying the right. chicken farmer, and, and uh, <laughs> his answer to that is cr- creating his very own. Uh, fast food joint that is completely honest about exactly where your chicken comes from and how it gets there and uh, all that goes into creating it, the the, the fake grill marks that they paint right. on the chicken. It's it's really it's really funny and that it's a Morgan Spurlock movie, so it's also kind of up its own ass, but Right. And that's it any documentary is gonna be up its own ass. You know, you're gonna be able to you know, if you were anti-vegan you're gonna be able to find something wrong with their science there but basically more what they're trying to do and they're just trying to say a lot of these things you hear aren't true uh you know the b12 thing is something everybody has to deal with not just vegans protein actually comes from plants because the animals eat the plants and then you eat the animals and then you're so it's but at the same time you have to eat a specific way or you'll lose nutrients because you know, the animals have everything because they're eating all the plants, but you got to be sure you're going to eat the plants. You can't just be like, all right, I'll just eat bread. <laughs> that's not going to work either. Uh, but if nothing else, it's something that could, if you were trying to get ready to start a diet and you wanted to attempt it, it's one of those movies like, uh, or fed up a couple of years ago, which I think is, and then what the health two movies, which I think have kind of been debunked in a lot of ways, but at least it gets you, motivated and to get started at something and that's really all you can ask for out of a documentary like this all right uh the rob zombie stuff <laughs> you put it off as long as you could <laughs> well it's because i've i i don't know it, it's i feel like it becomes more of a not so much a filmmaking debate as much as a moral debate and that makes it more frustrating for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to talk about the the terrible filmmaking? We can do that. But it's not terrible filmmaking. That's the problem. There's some bad acting here and there, but it's actually, I don't know. He's found a way to exist in his own little world, and not a lot of. I mean, he's kind of the Kevin Smith of horror movies, whether you like that or not. It's he's not really like anybody else. But let's just start with House of a Thousand Corpses. I uh, made that back in 1999. It sat on the shelf for four years because. Paramount was like, we can't release this. <laughs> you watch it today, and it's like, really? This is so controversial. Like, what was so controversial about this? Well, like, this think it, of the horror movies back aged then. Aged in a weird way, I guess. Think of the horror movies that came out back then. Nothing. They yeah. just. I don't even know. Bloodless PG thirteen kind of right horror. Yeah. And so, it, and this really isn't. If you watch all these movies, I mean, Rambo was way gorier than all of them. Yeah, stuff happens, but most of it's off camera. I mean, the last Rambo movie, not, not this new one, but is the single most violent thing I've ever seen on a screen. Right. Far more violent than anything in this movie. Right. I mean, the, this got lumped into torture porn, which I feel is unfair. Uh, but anyway. You can see it. I can't at all. Because... <laughs> The torture porn movies stop and make you watch the violence, and this does turn. It does, like, almost without exception, more or less, turns the camera when it starts to get too bad. All, all of them do, really. Uh, but this starts off with Chris Hardwick and Rain Wilson. <laughs> Chris Hardwick is so terrible. He is unwatchable in this movie. I almost hate him more than I, I hate anything else about this movie because he is just. He is irritating. He he does not act. He's just he, just it's all just just attitude and and just, just oh god, I just hated him so much. Take it you don't listen to the nerdist much. <laughs> no, I mean I <laughs> he pretty much I've, plays himself. I, I I find him far I find him far charming now. I mean, like the 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 show that he does, he's he's a charming dude. I think he's just almost. This is just a, a young, like insufferable version of who he is. It's funny because if you watch, he definitely gets fatter and skinnier throughout the movie because they had to <laughs> refilm a lot of stuff. Yeah, and he was a big beer drinker back then, and he just got really, really fat. And if you really pay attention, you can see him just get bloated halfway through the movie. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, to this day, that's the thing he gets yelled at more than anything else is Dr. Satan. 
<laughs> God. He just had Rob, Robin Sherry Zombie on his podcast last week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a problem with Chris Hardwick in it. And Rain Wilson, kind of the first movie he ever did. <laughs> and even Walton Goggins is one of the first things he ever did. So in a lot of ways, <laughs> he's responsible <laughs> for three pretty popular people in their own right. <laughs> I think I think Dwight from The Office might have succeeded regardless of whether he made this movie. <laughs> well, I think they all would regardless, but this is the first movie that really got up there, them into the door. He might not have got the part of Dwight in The Office. That's the, he might not have got his little bit in Almost Famous. It's hard to, you got to get your foot in the door somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's about these four 20-something teenagers that go on a... <laughs> They're going around the country looking for just random landmarks and blogging about it. It's the late 70s. I don't know. When when is this movie set? Mid-70s. Okay. Yeah, the first two movies are in the 70s. They're like writing a book, right? Right. About roadside attractions. and They have Captain Spaulding's murder ride uh, with Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding. And... uh, it's, I don't know, the whole first movie is filmed like a music video, because that's what Rob Zombie did, and I don't know, it's hard to, it's the one I like the least, I'll, yeah. I'll say that, I people love this movie, they think it's the best thing he's ever done. I don't get it, I just don't, and I don't understand the appeal of it, I, th- I find the characters insufferable, uh, I find uh, the, I find that he doesn't care about creating characters that you're supposed to, uh, concern yourself with other than their their very very basic fact of their humanity he doesn't care about making them interesting in any way uh and and that that was a trend of the late 90s too was this uh was this character this movies that would create these characters that you don't care about because the point is watching them destroyed as opposed to actually caring about whether or not they can survive being destroyed which used to be the whole thrust of making a great horror movie was creating characters you didn't want to see die. <laughs> you know, that was, and that's the horror that I love is when, when they spend time creating characters that you truly care about and you're like, please don't hurt this character. I care about them. Don't hurt them anymore. Please don't hurt them. Nancy uh, from Nightmare is a great example of a character you don't want to see harmed. She's a wonderful character. And you feel for her. You have sympathy for her. You care. The late 90s, and this movie is an example of it as well, uh, it's just like, you're only here to just watch them be diced up and, and destroyed, right? That's why, that's the whole point of this. And it's like, no, not for me, man. I don't care. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not here to watch just blood and guts and viscera. I'm here for characters. I want to see characters. Well, and that's the, the characters are the bad guys. I mean, that's the ones that they, and I don't, I think this one less than the other ones. Well, then, but then it gets into the issue of being like a late period nightmares, where it's like it's all about Freddy, and, and it's not that that predict. I mean, it's not I, to me. It's not in the same ballpark. Yes, it's this, a similar thing, but it's not about watching him taunt him before they kill him. It just I don't know. It's again, I'm not as big a fan of House of a Thousand Corpses. It, it reminds me. of I mean, clearly he's trying to be a campier version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre here. Uh, it's, you know, the kids wander off. I mean, technically, the kids in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, no one liked them either, <laughs> you know? I, I, I disagree. I they think were some of the most the, the annoying main, characters. The main girl is especially a very sense, a, a very character, a character that I cared about a great deal. And I guess the main girl here wasn't really that main. Uh, Hardwick and... <laughs> I honestly could not really. tell the women apart in this movie. Like that's the right. they're just because they were just kind of in the background, and but one does manage to halfway escape. It's, I mean, it's. I guess the difference between this and a Freddy would be their unique characters that he came up with. You know, that it wasn't something. I, I mean, it's a, it's a, its own unique little slice of the horror movies, and I remember when it came out, no one liked it. Uh, it's since kind of gone on to get but its is, own. Isn't it derivative no. of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family? I mean, a little is, bit, but it, it's... It is, really. A little bit. It's very... But it's a derivative of a lot of things kind of combined into one. Because it's a lot campier than... It's more like Texas 2 with the plot of Texas 1. 
because it's a campy movie you know uh-huh. it's you know the bad guys are goofy and it's just kind of weird and i remember the first time i saw i'm not i was never a huge white zombie or rob zombie music fan i just kind of was i he existed i liked it okay and i went and saw it because i had been like it had been done for like four years it came out in like oh three or something like that been done a long time because they just you know when you say movies of the late 90s that did that i those movies did. I don't, I'm curious what movies you're talking about because that was the main reason why this got shelves. There weren't a lot of horror movies back then. It was a lot no, of I mean, PG-13 it, it, movies. There was a, there were movies you didn't care about the fate of the characters. Right. That, that could be whether you want to watch them actually get killed or or you don't mind when they get killed, even if it's off screen. Like they just don't care about the. But I feel like you're talking about, about like the late Freddy and Jason movies more. Those than, as well, but I mean, it, it was a trend of really just about all of horror in the late in the late '90s, early 2000s, where they just. You know, the when you get into the remakes, even in the mid two thousand, I guess when you get into the remakes, it's it's all about just the the demonstration of destruction, and uh, but it's all about not creating characters that matter in any way, because you're just there to watch the villains do their thing. And I guess the only thing I would say is unfair about that is horror kind of died, especially when it came to slashers. Like it was gone till Scream brought it back, and then it went very PG thirteen. So I mean, I don't. I guess I don't really know what movies you're talking about. I know what you're talking about in general, but right. well, like just, Cry Wolf. How about Cry Wolf was a good don't example. Even know what that movie. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> no, you shouldn't. But I mean, right. those are those are horrible characters who you don't mind when they get killed. You don't care because they didn't they didn't register with you in any way. I guess I'm just saying there that are wasn't a of those. You know, the, uh, you, you could even point to stuff like uh, uh, Jeepers Creepers would be just above that. With kind of you kind of care about those characters a little bit, but like movies along that line. Uh, are the lighter form of what this is doing. Okay, that, I, oh, that's fine. I, I guess it just, to me, this still is in its own little wheelhouse with, with definitely pulling influences in from other things, but it's still there's nothing really like it out at that time other than I guess the bad guys are more likable than the good guys. But it was Devil's Rejects that really got me excited. Of I, when I saw the trailer, I was like, "Holy cow! This looks like he learned how to direct over the." Because uh, I mean, it literally looks like a music video. House of Thousand Corpses does to me. I don't know. Uh, it's fine. It gets the job done, but it wasn't really memorable. But when I started seeing trailers for Devil's Rejects, I got really excited about just the way it looked, and the characters were no longer over the top. Now they were more. I mean, they are, but. They're more based in reality than they did in House of a Thousand Corpses. And then, rather than him doing the music, he brings in real other, you know, the Allman Brothers and Terry Reed and Leonard Skinner. And I just remember sitting in the theater being just, just kind of following it and being amazed. And this is like a real movie. It was really well directed. She's a little rough at times, but the acting's really good other than her. I just, I... I I don't know what's wrong with Devil's Rejects in terms of a technical level. Of a, other than the moral stuff, like I don't know what's wrong with that movie other than... <laughs> How about the number of scenes that are just there? Like I, can, I was making fun of it in the previous episode. The, you get a fuck that chicken scene. Why the hell does that exist? Why is this... Why are we being presented this? And that happens uh, a few times throughout the movie where there are scenes where we're just presented something that happens and you're like, okay, that happened... Uh, it's it's this meandering scriptless nonsense that, that that keeps happening throughout this movie. A couple times, not a whole lot. I mean, that scene leads to uh, him getting cornered by the cop. I mean, yes, there's added dialogue that's not necessary. <laughs> and I will say, I do think Rob Zombie's biggest weakness among everything else is his dialogue. I mean, I that's definitely the. I think in the third one he. He tones it down, but it's just kind of repetitive, but nothing. Devil's Rejects definitely has a bunch of punchlines in it that I, I think are somewhat entertaining, but I can see why they turn. I mean, it's a pointless scene, but it's funny. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> it did, did not make me laugh. And then there's this, there's a scene where, where one of the bad guys takes two of his victims out to to find some guns that he buried somewhere and that goes to, I mean this, you could do without that scene that's not there's nothing in that scene that happens that's anything necessary other than the presentation of of a gory situation but it adds nothing to the plot uh, other than you've eliminated two characters congratulations uh, there's nothing uh, interesting about that at all I, I don't understand why 
you could you, why do they why did he even bother going out there he didn't even need them in the end to do what he was going to do so he, it was again it was an entirely pointless endeavor did he even get guns does he even come back with weapons who even knows because i i don't think the movie cares i think the movie just cares about presenting something that's horrifically violent and that's really i need something more than that well but it's there Serial killers, and they got to get rid of these two characters. At some point, you got to have that scene where he's killing well, them. Why not just so. kill him in the hotel room instead of dragging him out into the middle of nowhere to do it? It was just, it was a, it was pointless. He was going to get guns. He just, they didn't do anything with the guns that we saw. But they, I mean, it makes sense why they would go get guns. Barry, they, they do establish that they have to go to this area where they have, they've had that planned all along. They do establish that, so I don't think that's fair. They could have, they have to. They had to kill those characters at some he point because they're bad guys. In the hotel room, then just kill them right then. Why? Why are we waiting? Why? Why? Why go through this? There's no point to it. it it's just the pointless presentation of gore. That's really a, re- a repeated thing that that uh, emerges with Rob Zombie is just the the need is the needlessness of, of certain scenes. He just he doesn't have a, uh, a an editorial filter in that way. But again, that scene happens whether it's in the hotel or there. Either way, you're taking that time to show him kill. And even then, the camera's not on him when they're killing him. <laughs> so that's the other part. I don't. There's blood, I guess, but you don't see him cutting the face off. You don't. I mean, I don't know. It's it's supposed to be horrific. They're horrific people, uh-huh. and you got to dis- you you know you're really establishing how horrific they are before then you start to show them in human scenes, which all of a sudden make them. You know you. There's no reason to like these people at all. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing them talking about ice cream. And I think that matters because then you start to – you don't like them per se. But now it's it's that scenario where when we went and killed Osama bin Laden, I don't remember being like, yeah, we got him. I was just kind of like – I was, you know, good job, I guess. But it, I felt dirty still. You know, it's I don't want to see anybody die. But now you're establishing these people – these serial horrible serial killers as human beings – and showing human moments that go along with the ugliness. And I'm not rooting for them by any means, but it, it makes me uncomfortable when they're being cut down at the end, too. So it, it's more of what I, I think this movie is trying to do, and it does it successfully for me. At no point am I like, yay, let's go, we got to come back and win. But it, it, and I think he did a f- fantastic job of establishing that and accomplishing that and you have to show the dirtiness to get to the human part to get to the say i didn't i didn't find the human part Uh, they always seemed like cartoon characters to me and really what what zombie does throughout is is a lot of homage i mean basically he remakes bonnie and clyde at the end i mean (laughs) i mean then and throughout you know he makes all these pretentious references like look how smart i am see i've heard of i've heard of this and i've heard of this and it's uh, and then the the cameos. I mean, Jesus Christ! The guy from The Hills Have Eyes. You got Ken Forey and Diamond Dallas Page for some reason. Uh, They're all friends. I mean, it, it, this is why I call him the Kevin Smith of the Horrors. <laughs> he brought his friends in to do to make a movie that he made a movie he wanted to see, and you can see the heart and passion on that screen for that movie. And I mean, whether you like it or not is one thing, but it's definitely there and. Uh, it just, I don't know. I like that he doesn't care about the rules. You know, everybody has these movie rules that they, this is what I like when I watch a movie. And he, he does not give a shit what anybody, he's making it for himself. And he doesn't really have a st- studio in his head saying, you can't do that. You got to do this. And he's kind of doing his own thing. And I, because of that, I, I like that sort of filmmaking. I like that sort of. I like that freedom. I like when it fails, it fails. Like, there are scenes, to me, this is the worst Sherry Moon Zombies in. Uh, I thought she was better in House of a Thousand Corpses because at least that laugh was, you know, it meant something. But this one, I thought she was kind of some really awkward dialogue scenes. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I, I like that. I, I don't know. I just like the. I like that he can kind of exist. He said this on Joe Rogan's podcast or somewhere, maybe it was Hardwick's, where he can, he has a cult kind of following, but he gets to exist in the mainstream. And I, I, he's one of the few people that get to do that. And I think that's pretty neat. And that doesn't just happen because you're a talentless hack. <laughs> well, he's better than Eli Roth. I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I still I like Devil's Rejects the best of the three. I think that's the scene the latter half of the movie I like how I, I love the music choices. I like how they catch them. I like you know, I don't know. I just it really it just really had me invested and in, it was one of those theatrical experiences I want back from that first time. Then there's three from hell, which Sid Haig, uh, he, he, if you forget, back to Rob Zombie, he was the most prepared he's ever been going into a movie, he says. And the three from Hell are supposed to be Captain Spaulding, Baby, and Otis. Well, literally, a week before shooting, Sid Haig calls him and says, I just got out of surgery. Uh, I'm not doing so well. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pass my physical. He doesn't. <laughs> he has to totally rewrite the script uh, with a new three yeah. and he brings up Richard, Richard Brake or Blake or whatever in a week and kind of replaces all the Captain Spaulding stuff with him and then writes him out in the first five minutes of the movie I I don't hate Three from Hell I like it better than House of a Thousand Corpses uh, I think it's fine but I think the third act kind of lost me a little bit if that makes sense uh, the whole thing had me lost because I mean I just sat through Devil's Rejects before I saw this and you know, I'm already I wasn't angry at Devil's Rejects I didn't think, I didn't care you know I don't I don't care anymore I don't really have any uh, sort of passion uh, passionate disdain for him anymore the way I do Eli Roth I think Eli Roth is a disturbing disturbed human being I don't feel <laughs> that way about Zombie anymore uh, I think uh, I think he even with 31 I didn't care <laughs> that, well, that, that's, and yeah. I kind of got, I've kind of grown to to care less like uh, I watching House of a Thousand Corpses again like I was just kind of I, I was almost amused by by how how childish uh, how what a childish experiment it kind of is uh, instead of being like disgusted by it uh, Devil's Rejects you know just is again it does feel like uh Somebody who's play acting, uh, you know, his horror favorites, and uh, and it, 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 it's almost I, I kind of want to pat him on the head. Oh, that's nice, you know. <laughs> and three from hell is I got a similar reaction. Like, yeah, that's that's great. That's that happened. Uh, we we got a bunch of uh, characters that that don't matter uh, that are going to be destroyed, and that's pretty much it. Uh, there isn't a, there's no, there's just nothing to grab onto for me. I don't I don't have a character like they they establish this warden character, but they establish him as a cartoon character with this stupid mustache and and silly looking suits. And you can't I can't buy into this guy. He's a cartoon. He doesn't matter in any way. And I'm, we're going to watch him die. That's what's going to happen. Uh, and I did. There's no. There's nothing there. There's no Nancy to grab onto and go, okay, we've got something to hold on to here and worry about. I don't care about the three from hell. I don't care about these characters. They're they're horrific, terrible human beings. And I'm not even really all that invested in watching them die either, because they're just they're they're so laughable to me. I just didn't I was just kinda like, Yeah, that happened. That's pretty much my reaction to Three from Hell. Yeah, I, I thought this is the best Sherry Moon Zombie has been in any of his movies. I thought she was really good in it. Uh, I, I like Richard Blake. Is it Blake or Blake? I don't, I don't know. know actually. But he was in Mandy, and uh, he was the best part of Thirty One. That was kind of the one thing we all agreed about in Thirty One. Uh, actually, we agreed about Thirty One across the board. That was just kind of. I, I mean, the Grab Zombie wasn't interested in that yeah. one, based on how that was created. I don't know. I just I find it fascinating when somebody can go in and just kind of do what they want and. I'm going to give them a chance whenever that happens. I'm not saying you're not giving It's just for me, I almost give them more of a chance than maybe they deserve, maybe they don't. It's part of why I like Cabin Fever. You know, it's a movie he did on a low budget with, you know, just it's more, less studio, more just kind of the independent artist or whatever. And I, I don't feel like he's a great dialogue writer, but I just find myself just fascinated by the, just the whole experiment. Three from hell, there's not a lot to grab onto. It's weird. They break out of prison, or two of them break out of prison. They capture the warden, then they got to go back and get baby. Then they kill everybody. Then they go to Mexico and fight some luchadors. And it's, yeah. 
I mean, it and there again, they, works, they had, they had a don't. chance there to actually do something interesting and make that because they they tie that character back to Danny Trejo's character in Devil's Rejects, and I thought, okay, well, I'm interested in this guy. What's he going to do? Nothing. He's going to do absolutely nothing and die in, in the stupid, violent way that means nothing. He takes forever to arrive for this final act that just it goes on forever to get to the final violent confrontation right. that's really not nearly as impressive as it should be. Well, and that's my, like, it takes a while in Devil's Rejects too, but you're establishing, I mean, not for you, but <laughs> what he's trying to do is establish that, you know, when you see the cartoon characters, I don't disagree with that. I think there's heightened. I, I don't think they're as cartoony as House of a Thousand Corpses, but I think everybody is, so that's why it works for me. Uh, but they're establishing, so when they do go to kill him, that... <laughs> you're kind of uncomfortable watching them die. Here, they they do that, and it, I do like watching the human interaction, even as cartoon characters, uh, but then they just kind of team up and knock out the luchadors, too, which is... I, I didn't care. It was just kind of, uh, okay, that was... You know, you knocked it out of the park. You had the Bonnie and Clyde ending with Freebird over the top, and, and now you're... What okay, I guess that <laughs> they, I'm, all, I, I they all survived that gigantic hail of bullets. Right. <laughs> well that's not if you do watch it, they're all getting shot in the arm uh, and stuff. You never see him hitting the heart or the head. Sure. Uh but then he goes off and says a one in a million chance they're gonna survive and then all three of them survive. That was yeah. a pretty stupid line. I the I, I know a, a lot of people love this Otis character and the people try and build him up as some kind of uh horror legend. I don't buy it at all. I don't care about this character in any way. This actor does not impress me in any way. Uh, he's pretty much a blank slate to me. I don't really I just don't get anything from the guy. He just He's lifeless. And really? the performance just does nothing for me at all. And the other guy the Richard, whatever his name is <laughs> he's, he's way better. I mean, he's, well, he's got so much life in his eyes. I thought Otis was best in Devil's Rejects. I, 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 I mean, I think he was a great character. Uh, I, I mean, I guess we can agree to disagree. I, I, in Three from Hell, he's like, he's pushing 70. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> are you sure you want to make this movie? I met Bill Mosley at a Metallica concert, and yeah. he was talking about, you think we'll do another Devil's Rejects? I'm like, I'd watch it, and he's like, he better write it pretty quick while we'll be in walkers and stuff. <laughs> and sure enough, Sid Haig can hardly be in it, and he's almost 70. Uh, uh, but I don't know. It, I'm glad I saw I'm glad he did it. I mean, I definitely felt his passion with Three from Hell, and I like that he went a different direction. But and with House of a Thousand Corpses, in theory, the girl gets away until she doesn't. Those rejects they lose. Here they just kind of walk off winning, and it was kind of... Now they've become that Freddy Krueger character, which bugs me a little bit. I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, Otis is basically unkillable. I mean, the, you can't harm him in any way. Uh, <laughs> and that's just... Uh, that's, uh, and I'm not mad about it. It just, I've lost, I lost a little bit with that in Three of Them Hell. I, I liked I liked them going. I don't, I don't consider that a blaze of glory. I know anybody who's bad goes out in a blaze of glory. The good guys don't go out in a blaze of glory. The bad guys go out in a blaze of glory. So I don't know. It... It ended a little low for me, but I still love Devil's Rejects, and I always will. <laughs> I won't apologize for it anymore. You go fuck that chicken? <laughs> I know it's Adam Sandler humor, but it's... I, I don't know. I always forget about that scene until I see it, and I don't hate it. It's just kind of like uh, you, you know what I you know what I can't stand though is that audience. Good God, what a what a disturbed group of people that is. I just uh, oh man, just the I didn't like the places where they were laughing. I didn't like the places where they cheered. I will it was say, making me uncomfortable. You were texting me throughout, and when you were doing it, I'm like I. One anytime I heard laughing, laughing was usually pretty uncomfortable. It wasn't like uh, the audience erupted in laughter. There was a couple of like awkward like laughs. Uh, the people so, in the row I was in, they looked like they were enjoying this way too much. It was like it was like watching incels like react. It was like it was a, it was disturbing. Like you should, as a human being, you need to check what you're laughing about here right now. 
Yeah, I was in the center, like f- like middle of the theater where I was at, and I mean, I heard laughing, but anytime I heard it, it was pretty uncomfortable, especially in the row I was in. I could, it was, it wasn't like this is hilarious. It was more of like a <laughs> kind of. It was uh-huh. I didn't hear breakout laughs, but I still I don't. I was worried they were going to clap. And they, <laughs> I think they maybe, did at the end. Maybe <laughs> one person. I left. I didn't stay for well, Yeah, we did. We were standing there. I there was like maybe another one of those one person. It's not the whole audience erupted. <laughs> but anyway, far ne- too many did. If one did, too many did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we survived it. The podcast continues another week. <laughs> Next week we got the Joker. Finally, we can see it and see what the all the fuss is about. Uh, going in, where are you at? Are you kind of? I'm not sure. Are you, where an, I stand. Are you annoyed with the fanboys or? I I'm I'm uh, in the cult of uh, Joaquin Phoenix, so I'm I'm ignoring all all the outside stuff. Uh, I love Stephanie Zacharik, and I think she's amazing. And, uh, she did shit all over Midsummer, though. <laughs> well, still, she's a great writer, and, uh, and, and and I take what she said very seriously. Uh, but I, I'm Joaquin Phoenix is arguably the best actor working today. So if anybody can make this work, he can. And I do think everything in her review can be true, and it can still be a phenomenal movie. Uh, that's but we'll see. Our classic is The Man Who Laughs from 1928. Good luck finding it. <laughs> uh, I bought it on Amazon and all of a sudden now the prices are like 80 bucks or something like that. Weird. So, uh, 1989 Drugstore Cowboy, An Innocent Man, Old Gringo, Johnny Handsome and Welcome Home again? Did I write that twice? <laughs> Welcome Home came out every week in 1989. Uh but yeah, so that'll be the next week's show. And uh, anything before we go? Uh, not really. Uh, there's a weird movie called Augie that I saw, a sci-fi movie about uh, Richard Kind, the character actor. Oh. Uh, repeatedly masturbating. Other than that, you know, <laughs> speaking of that, Louis C.K. came to Chicago, <laughs> like unannounced, did like a whole weekend at Zany's. <laughs> How many people did he show his dick to? He sold out. Well, I don't know. Sold out. <laughs> sold out crowds saw it. Probably. And then the Fern movie, Between Two Ferns, on Netflix. Oh, it's out now? Yeah. Oh, I wow. watched it already. <laughs> totally forgot to forget. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good? I enjoy I mean, it's... I, I'm a big fan of Zach, so... Yeah, it's... I'm a little... Yeah, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, Cool. All right, so ready to wrap it up? Be done, or anything else you want? No, I'm good. All right, thanks for now. Are you uh, are you putting this uh, out early on for the Patreon people? I can if you want. It'll only get like a week though. That's only is I it mean, worth it? To them? It's something. Yeah. All right, I can do that. I'll try to get them both out tonight then, and then release it a week later. All right, anything else? Uh, let's see. Uh, best Rob Zombie movie. Uh, Have you seen Lords of Salem? No. I'm curious. I mean, that's that's kind of his take on uh, Suspiria in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's. I was gonna watch it. I didn't there. find time to watch it. Uh. I can't finish it. You can't, it's it's bad or it's not bad. I just keep falling asleep because it's slow. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's just a slow movie, and then like I don't know, the Midsummer exists, Suspiria exists, and it's it it's weird and it's out there, but I don't. It's not going to be able to top those movies. So, I guess Devil's Rejects, followed by Three from Hell and House of a Thousand Corpses. I had to rank them. Those three. What about the Halloween movies? <laughs> Below even House of a Thousand Corpses. Really? Oh, by the way, oh gosh, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this. I interviewed Michael Myers. I talked to oh, the, the guy, the, the guy whose actual face you see as Michael Myers. William Shatner? No. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a guy named uh, uh, Moran is his last name. He's He is Aaron Moran's brother, by the way. Really? Happy days. And, uh, yeah, this guy can tell a hell of a story. He is funny. He is uh, just completely over-the-top charismatic. Uh, it is it is it's a fun conversation. I'll share it on the page because he is really great. How many times has he been Michael Myers? Just once. He wasn't in the new one. No, no. He uh, he <laughs> he really he doesn't feel bad about it at all. Walking away, he's fine. He's fine with having walked away. He made seven hundred dollars to do it, uh, and thought, okay, well, I'll never hear from this again. Then he's driving down the he's driving down Hollywood Boulevard, and he looks up and he sees his, uh, he sees <laughs> the mask. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> He had to go see it. He had to go see it with his girlfriend because uh, he's like, "I'm not gonna go to the premiere for this." <laughs> like he just totally dis- just totally like thought this was some kind of disreputable thing that would be gone in a couple of days. He never thought he'd hear from it, hear about it again. Oh, it's, he's a great guy. It's crazy though. I mean, but that's how it was. I yeah. mean, it was like a hundred thousand dollar budget or something like that. Friday the Thirteenth too. They they didn't. They just kind of were making these. Like Sean Cunningham was like. Eh, like I want to do this so I can do the next thing, right? And then they both just blow up. That's insane. Oh, he's he's a great conversation. Uh, uh, he, I just I, I adore the guy. He was so much fun. Does he do the the? He was just yeah. He does. He loves horror movie fans. He so loves he does talking go to, to all those, those guys. Things? Yeah, that's cool. totally owns it. He owns he owns the the legacy of it now, and just he's really proud of. And you could have got a lot of money doing that. He could have. <laughs> Oh, he, he doesn't. Did. He doesn't go do those. Oh, no, he didn't. I mean, he makes money doing that. Yes, but he about. made no money on well, no, no, doing Halloween. <laughs> like I said, he made seven hundred bucks and then refused to go back to doing it. Like he he went and became an investment banker. Like he didn't care about any of that stuff. His sister, funny enough, his sister did not know that he played this character. Never knew uh, until two thousand and five when they ran into each other at a convention. Uh, they got they, the family became kind of separated. And she's like, what are you doing here? Wait a minute. And she's trying to put together, you're, you're Michael Myers. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Because it, it, he, he never talked about it. He didn't want anybody to know he was doing it. He was a serious actor. He, and then they offer him this. And he's like, I don't want to do a horror movie. This is like doing porn. <laughs> Have you ever gone to one of those fan fest things before? No, I haven't. I hadn't e- what and here's the, I kind of did. I went to a Metallica festival where Kirk Hammett, the guitar player, he had a haunted house, and and he had all these. He has a bunch of horror mem- memorabilia, all these old school posters and stuff. And I was just kind of looking at his collection, going through this haunted house thing. And at the very end of it, I walk into the room and there's like Gunnar Hansen, Bill Mosley, PJ Souls, uh, uh, Lad, uh, what's her name from Death Proof, and I don't know. Her name, she's. I got her autograph too. That's the door. PJ Souls and Gunnar Hansen, Jordan Ladd, Jordan Ladd. and there was maybe somebody else. But yeah. it was just. I mean, it was weird because you're finishing. I didn't know they were there, and all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, there's Leatherface and Bill Mosley from <laughs> Devil's Rejects. And my poster got totally ruined in the oh. <laughs> during the concert, but it's oh, okay. Man. Yeah, uh, the, the horror movie, the the horror movie guys who really accept it. Uh, they, they they're such a great group of fans who really love those movies. And uh, as much as I was making fun of the Rob Zombie fans, like the the the, the horror movie fans who love Halloween and stuff like that. And I, I'm not on the record as not liking Halloween all that much, but uh, I think it's pretty fucking goofy. But I gotta say, this guy makes me like it a little bit because he's just he's just so much fun. I talked to him and I talked to Lou Diamond Phillips this week. Really? Yeah. How's he doing? Uh, he's doing great. He's got a TV show called uh, Prodigal Son on Fox that That's right. uh, just recently debuted. And uh, I actually did get to ask him a couple questions about La Bamba, which he was very cool about answering and talking about him and Isai Morales. I even told him about the 2,000-word uh, essay I wrote about <laughs> La Bamba two years ago. And he was, like, really flattered by that. So that was cool. That's really cool. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's... Like, I always have a hard time struggling with the, especially when, it's not just you, but whenever someone's like, why would anybody like this? You know, it's like, it's hard to to defend. So I'm sitting there, I really paid attention to it in Devil's Rejects. I'm like, oh my God, I get it. And uh, I don't know. It just. Hey, I defend the Saw franchise repeatedly. And I I will to the day I die because I think it is legitimately 
uh, ingenious, and uh, I just, regardless of the gore. And I don't think they're. I don't think they have their heads screwed. I actually think Rob Zombie is one of the few celebrities that has his head screwed on right. <laughs> you know, as odd as that sounds, you know, he's been able to do things his way his entire career. And part of it's being naive. And, uh, you know, Kevin Smith's another one. That's why I compared the two earlier. I just, I, I, I appreciate that when you can see someone who really kind of knows what they're doing. And even when they don't. I don't know. They just find a way to get it done. And I, I just, there's something about that that appeals to me. And I'll bring, like you, with, you were saying with Halloween, I, I'll bring that, you know, the, the $100,000 budget. And I, I bring all that to the movie. I bring it to Clerks, you know, and it makes it that much better for me. And I see that in those movies. And unfortunately for me, when it comes to Halloween, and especially after talking to uh, Nick Moran, is that uh, I think the making of the movie is way better than the movie itself. <laughs> Well, I think that is a, in a lot of cases. Yeah. I'm sure they're making a clerk is better than clerks, but there's still that. I don't know. I, I can feel that I'm he, bringing it to the. He didn't know he was going to wear a mask. Really? They, they didn't tell him until the day of, and then they handed him a mask. He's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It's so great. Oh, he is a, just a, a tremendous guy. That's really cool. Yeah, I I I, had, I started out. I was only going to have him for ten minutes, and we talked for thirty one minutes. Wow! Literally, and he talked maybe twenty nine of those minutes. <laughs> so most of the time, that's a good thing, depending on who they are. I mean, if they're as entertaining as this guy, you know, you can just let it go. I had a guy, Bumblefoot from Guns and Roses. We'd ask him a question, and he just. I asked him about the prog rock going from proggy to pop in the early 80s, and he just started going album by album. And it wasn't entertaining. It was just oh. really dragging on, and I felt really bad. But uh, it happens right now and then. But he'll never listen to this. So I can... uh, anything else before we go? Uh, no, but I'll, I'll put those uh, up on the Facebook page so people can listen to them if they want. Well, no, I'm definitely excited to hear those. Yeah, Joker next week. Uh, uh, I guess we'll see you then. Bye.